whakapupūtia mai o Manuka kia koreai e whati. Cluster the branches of the Manuka so they will not break. E ngā mana, e ngā reo, e ngā kārangaranga maha, he mihi tēnei kia koutou katoa, ko Justin Murray tēnei. I'm Justin Murray and you're listening to Te Ahikā on Radio New Zealand National. Oratory is a key component of Māori tradition, so it's not altogether surprising that a Tiaroa speaker should be acclaimed for his skill in this area. Kingi Biddle, though, is competing using his oral skills to compete in English at an international Toastmasters competition in Las Vegas. For Kingi, his fluency in Te Reo Māori led him to improve his English skills. When the Māori is strong, the English is strong as well. So now I have to make the English strong so the Māori can be strong. So I decided to join Toastmasters simply to... Work on your English side. Work on my English side, but more at the structures, because since I had more opportunity to talk to them, I needed more opportunities to, to speak in a public forum in English. So that's why I started Toastmasters about a, about a year or so ago. We'll hear more from Kingi later on in Te Ahikā. Hirini Melbourne was known to his niece Piata simply as Uncle Sid. Having grown up with his music, Piata's leading a project, Herangi Pai Huarere, which aims to breathe new life into tradition. The idea of this project was to get young rangatahi listening to his music, listening not just to his music but to the way that's written. So we thought we'd do it through um, Māori musicians these days that are not only established but up and coming um, and get them to do their rendition of it so that it appeals to our younger people, have that same appeal, I guess, when we were growing up to our kids yeah. and, and we want them to listen to it and have that same kind of appreciation. Nā reira, koe ara ngā kaupapa kōrero mo te haora e heke mai nei. That's what's coming up in Te Ahika today. Kei te pakarongo mai rā ki te ahika. Whaia te matauranga. Seek out knowledge. It's a simple saying that is really about learning more and not being satisfied with what you already know. It's not really surprising that that attitude was encouraged in Michael Walker as he grew up. With both his parents involved in education, his mother, Deirdre Walker, was a teacher, and his father, Professor Ranginui Walker, was a university lecturer. This is exactly what you might expect. Although he didn't set out to follow his parents into the education field, he's ended up as a professor in the School of Biological Sciences at the University of Auckland. He was also recognised as a great educator at this year's New Zealand Tertiary Teaching Excellence Awards. Professor Michael Walker set up the Tuakana programme aimed at mentoring Māori and Pacific Island students studying science at the University of Auckland. I spoke to him earlier this week about whānau, research, and whether a career in science is on the cards for his children. Uh, ka rangaranga te muri, ka tūtū ngā tuatara o te tamure, ko e te tangata nānei nohone ki te whakarua, ko au, ko au, ko tu tamure. Uh, Michael Walker 
Kia ora. Um, I was just reading some, um, you know, as you do, reading a few things about you. You thought that, um, you, I, there's a quote here, the only thing you could see was that you were um, never going to be an all black or a black cap. You were never going to be those things. Was this when you were a little boy? Yeah, I, you know, because I recognised very, very early that I was neither particularly gifted in sports or um, or even fast, um, and so that, and I was also very small as a child, um, so that uh, it was very clear very early on that I was never going to be um, uh, sporting or musical or artistic or talented in any of those directions. But then later on I read that, in fact, what got you through school was both rugby and cricket. You see, sport was what got you through. That's quite true, um, (laughs) because I enjoyed it. um, And going to school meant that I could do it. Um, But in truth, uh, what what I was good at at school was languages. Mm. Um, I was... Particularly in high school, I was completely hopeless in maths and science, um, so that I was consistently at or near the bottom of my classes in both maths and science. Um, and it was the languages, then the grades I could get in the languages that um, <clears throat> enabled me to stay in the upper streams of upper 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 streams of the uh, more or the more academic streams of classes, plus the plus the sport that I was playing enabled me to come out of school feeling like I'd been a reasonable sort of a student. It didn't really come as much of a surprise that languages would that you would favour languages because your your father is Professor Ranginui Walker. Mm-hmm. And so was higher education or um, reaching, you know, Nga Taumata Teite or your goals nurtured within your household? Well, my mother... Um, uh, w- was interviewed around these award- this award, and she commented that she never chased me for homework. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't. You were allowed to come home and then go out and play straight away. Yep, um, she she saw that as the job of the teachers, even though she was a teacher herself. And but there was no question. Um, there was the expectation that we would all apply ourselves to our schoolwork. That and it fooling around with it would, would not be tolerated. Mm. So, Michael, you know, you're, I guess it's no surprise that you've, I mean, now you're, you're a teacher. You're a professor at the Auckland, uh, University of Auckland. Mm-hmm. You spent some time um, in, in Hawaii. Um, and then you, I mean, how did you make the, the journey, I suppose, from, from that period okay. to be, becoming a teacher? Well, I have to confess that... Um, I never actually wanted to be a teacher <laughs> growing up because it seemed to me that from the dinner table conversations of my parents that it didn't sound like much fun. Right, of course, <laughs> mum and dad, yeah, both teachers. Yeah, um, and so uh, I tried to avoid um, uh, teaching and I was having a very um, enjoyable life as a, as a, as a scientific researcher. Um, but progressively I, I recognised that I actually needed students, and I needed students more than they needed me. Mm. Um, and so that meant you know, that that meant that I had to recognise what I actually do need to be teaching. And I was able to eventually break in um, to the academic staff here at the University of Auckland, 
and uh, that let, let me um, learn to teach. And it so happened that uh, um, that at that time there was the opportunity also to make a difference for Maori and Pacific students because what we saw, what I saw was that there were no more Maori and Pacific students doing upper level undergraduate biology than there were when I was a student, but there were three times as many as the as many students yes. at the university as there were when I mm. when I was here. And so that's uh, that that's what got me started, um, and the opportunity to make a contribution to the um, growth in numbers and um, output of graduates in science uh, from among Māori and Pacific students was um, what set me on my way. So, do you, was that a period where you thought? Why aren't or Māori or Pacific Islander gearing towards biology or science as a career? Was that what yes, prompted you? Exactly that, um, and and because I'd had a I'd had a you know, tremendous experience um, working in science, um, and basically I I felt that you know, Māori and Pacific students ought to, ought to have this oppor- have opportunities like this as well, and I was pretty confident that. Um, the students we, that we were getting students, um, but, the, but that something was happening. And what we found out was that uh, um, we were losing them very quickly mm. um, after their first enrolment. And the problem was not lack of ability or um, effort. The problem was, was the social isolation that they were experiencing. By social isolation, do you mean that maybe would one Māori be in a class... With, with other Pākehā students. What do you mean by that, uh, Michael? At the time, most of our students were coming from, uh, the Māori Pacific Island students were coming from schools on the periphery of Auckland. Right. So South Auckland, West Auckland, parts of the North Shore, uh, and then out in the rural areas. And they were coming from senior classes that were very small and that were mostly uh, students like themselves. But then when they arrived here, um, they arrived alone from their school and um, came into a city of strangers mm. um, where they could actually identify nobody who was, who was like themselves that they could at least share experience with. And um, so from that, from what you're talking about, uh, Michael, was the, 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 the Tuakana program, the elder sibling, the mentoring, the peer support mm-hmm. program. Kapai. So, I mean, um, you've mentioned a few uh, a teacher, uh, some teachers that have helped you. There's, there was Bob Lewis, a teacher in your from your past, from your from your childhood. What have you learnt from your teachers that that you are using in your classrooms in terms of teaching students and enticing them and um, motivating them towards science? Well, just how much fun it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the. Um, um, the, the, the first teacher who really made an impression on me was the science teacher I had at, um, uh, at, in my first year of intermediate school. Um, and it took a long time before I got that same kind of feeling again. Right. Um, but it was, it was like a drug. Uh, you know, I talk about my favorite recreational drug is discovery. Um, <laughs> um, and I think that's true of all young people that uh, learning is an enjoyable experience. 
Um, even even when you're older, to learn, it's an enjoyable experience. Uh, I think we're programmed to enjoy learning. So then, what was it like for you um, to um, get the award, the Supreme Award, and then you got the Sustained Excellence in Teaching in a Kaupapa Māori Context Award uh, for these uh, Prime Ministers' uh, awards recently, Michael? I was uh, very pleasantly surprised when the when the um, university asked me to nominate in the Kaupapa Māori category um, and I was I then had to write a, um, a nomination document um, and in the end I told a reasonable sort of a story um, that, I was, that I was happy with and that people thought was good um, and then when we went down to the awards um, it seems to me that the who, who had won the Supreme Award um, was a very well kept secret, <laughs> and I have to confess that uh, um, I I hoped, but I was still surprised that <laughs> yeah. um, I actually had won the um, uh, the Supreme Award. Just from what I've read about you, um, Michael, you have done. So so much work, so much mahi um, over the years from research into kina to research into the tuna, um, honeybees, magnetic fields. It's quite, for, for someone like me, obviously, it's quite mind-boggling. But how do you, I guess, what has been some of the highlights in, in your career and your research uh, mahi? That's an interesting question. Mm. Uh, I've been incredibly lucky yes. um, to have the opportunities I had. But um, my, my, you know, the, the the key I think has been to um, align identity with um, with with what I studied, and so it, my work with the Kinner was initially straight straight, eco, straight ecological study, and I learned a great deal uh, from my master supervisor, uh, who was Howard Choate, um, who's now at. Uh, James Cook University in Australia, but when I got to the US um, to do my PhD, and I was in Hawaii, I, I, I really couldn't find a yes, uh, that's right, a research a, a research topic yeah. that um, set me on fire <laughs> um, and would get me out of bed in the morning. So I um, uh, I shut myself in my room one morning and said, "Well, come out with a topic by the end of the day. I'll go home with your tail very much between your legs." Mm. Uh, um, and out of that, I identified the um, the issue of animal navigation over long distances. Um, and I'd heard that there was this lab in Honolulu that um, held uh, tuna in tanks. And I thought, well, I'll go and, go and talk to them. <laughs> and at the same time, um, they were being visited by uh, my colleague, Joe Kirschfink, who's at California Institute of Technology, and they um, and, and and I said I I came in with the question of long distance navigation, and he came in with the solution of the uh, of there is actually a, a sound biological basis for for the existence of a magnetic sense, which was absolutely not accepted at that time. Mm. Um, and between and so working with. Joe and with Andy Dizen, who was the director of the of the Tuna Lab, um, we were able to make some things happen quite quickly. 
Now, interestingly, in the in the time since then, um, on my since my PhD crisis day, um, when I recognised animal navigation as a as a potential thesis topic, um, I sort of thought about the fact that I'd read David Lewis's work on the navigators. I'd also read about Cook and um, his circumnavigation of the globe, and I recognised that uh, living in the Pacific and having spent a lot of time on the Pacific myself, mm. um, that I could see, I could read both the theory and understand the practice um, of navigation, um, and it's really only in the Pacific that that's true that you can have two completely different solutions to the navigation problem. And I thought, oh, well, that should give me an edge. And over the next 10 years, I felt at the end of that 10 years that, yeah, it did give me an edge. Uh, and the edge was around um, flexibility in being able to think about um, results we couldn't understand um, and not be terribly troubled by them and that, and the expectation that eventually we would be able to understand it, and that's been the been the key, um, the key thing that identity has brought for me to the to the study of animal navigation over long distances, um, and it it's just gone on and on that that even I, I'm a generalist, I'm not particularly good at anything as a generalist, <laughs> but um, in terms of research skills and techniques. But um, over the over the years, I've managed to have um, some success at cracking a number of different scientific nuts that others couldn't crack. Wow, that's a great way to put it. So your whānau must be obviously proud of you, Michael. Your 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 kids, your children. Well, I, <laughs> my children would probably. Um, Say you know, that if asked, that yes, but um, of course, and of course, it's it's obviously a problem for them too. Um, in that, um, I you know, as I grew up with um, everybody knowing who my father was, mm. um, it's it's something that young people sometimes struggle to, to come to terms with. Fortunately, do you have? Do, are your children uh, budding scientists themselves? Um, well, they're at university. Uh, one of them is um, doing a conjoint BABSC um, and is taking everything from Greek, ancient Greek, to um, to biology and biochemistry. So, wow. Uh, and the other one's doing engineering. Kia ora, Professor Michael Walker, nō te whakatohia, from the University of Auckland. If you'd like some more information about him and the National Tertiary Teaching Excellence Awards, you can head to our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika. In the field of Aotearoa's traditional music, Hidini Melbourne has probably had no equal as a teacher of music, a composer and researcher, he has been credited for his revitalisation of traditional Māori instruments such as the kōwao, pūtātara and Māori flutes. Although he died in 2003, his legacy of recordings has provided inspiration to a new generation of musicians. 
His niece, Piata Melbourne, is very conscious of this history. She has set up a project called Herangi Pai Huarere, which has some of today's young emerging Māori musicians giving their own twist to some of his songs. Uh, kia ora, ko tūhoe tewe, ko mātātua te waka ko taiari he te maunga, ko ohine mataroa te awa, ko te reurewa te marae, ko māhurehure te hapu. Kia ora, kia ora Piata. Um, tell me a bit about where you were uh, born and raised. Ah, okay, born in Christchurch, uh, spent most of my life in Rotorua since I was eight years old, um, and just spent a lot of time going back to Rautoki, see Nanny Koro see the family and stuff back there, but yeah, Botorua is where I spent uh, most of my life. So how did you end up, I mean, you know, you may not, rec- oh, well, you may recognise the voice um, to everybody out there listening to Te Ahika, but um, you may also, um, you, you may recognise the voice and uh, the name. You've been involved in, with media for quite a long time. You mentioned um, Aotearoa, T- was it Aotearoa TV? Aotearoa Television Network, yeah, 1996 that started. And um, my role there was as a researcher presenter. Um, that was my first glimpse into the television world, which I, I and I when I got asked to work there was because I could speak Māori. Um, but the deal was, yep, I'll come and work there, but don't put me in front of the camera. So I just hated cameras. Mm. Um, but I, no matter what my resistance was, I kept on getting put in front of the camera. So, <laughs> <laughs> so then when I went to university, studied media was one of my majors. Um, found that I actually quite liked media. Um, the creative aspect of it is yeah. what I enjoyed, but my intentions after going through uni were not to be in front of the camera. I wanted to be behind the scenes directing. So, Mokiora um, Piata, for that, just to give us a background about you know who you are, um, for people who perhaps don't know, what are, how are you um, related to Hidden Melbourne? Hidden is Dad's little brother. Hidden is Dad's yeah, brother. <laughs> Uncle yeah. Sid is what I call Uncle him. Uncle Sid. Hidden yeah. came along when he was um, went to University of Waikato. And began lecturing there, and he got called Hedonie, but he was always Uncle Sid to us. So Sydney, 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 yeah. and and what what sort of influence did did your uncle have on you? A huge influence. Um, that's because uh, he has a daughter. His two daughters who are my age, and we were very close Siamese twins practically mm-hmm. um, growing up. And Uncle Sid and Auntie Jan's house is where I spent every holiday. School holiday was them, so they were the other mum and dad and. He did. He had a big, huge impact on. Yeah. Did you yeah. know growing up? Well, I suppose when you, as you were getting older, that he was really this tohunga in no. terms of Pāngapuru. <laughs> no, he was no. Uncle Sid, and that was it. And he did some concerts sometimes, and would go and listen, and that's about it. Mm. He was, yeah, he was, he was Uncle. He wasn't, um, he wasn't this. Oh, I mean, I, you know, I was aware of it, obviously, and I knew all his songs. Um, but maybe it just didn't really hit me until we found out about his um, illness and the, all the attention he got. And then I suddenly realised, geez, he's actually got quite a big impact on him. How old were you when um, Hidden Melbourne 20, about 24, 25, 25 years. And still, was that that stage yeah. in your life where you were just like, whoa? Well, no, he was just family. Yeah. He's just family and he was an uncle that liked to sing. And he happened to record some songs <laughs> and happened to know a lot about Tangapuro. And, yeah, but so I, that would have been just normal. Uh, it was normal. Um, yeah, and, and I come from, you know, a lot of my family are academics too, so it wasn't, yeah, his, I guess his, the difference with him was that he was a musician as well. And, um, yeah, but mm. no, he was just Uncle Sid. As, as, as his niece, you're, mm. you're kind of. I don't know if it's coming full circle or giving back yeah. by way of this project, Herangi Paihuarere. Tell us about it. 
Um, well, towards the end, just maybe a couple of years before, especially the year leading up when he was diagnosed with cancer, um, he started involving me in his projects. One of them was Pow 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 is when he first started that off. And I guess it was because I was the niece that bugged him to teach me songs on the guitar. You know, I was the one who <laughs> sat with him in the lounge and said, show me how to play this. And, and, you know, so obviously there was that was my connection with him because I wanted to play like he did. So I guess he recognised that. He brought me on board to with some of his, one of his projects, um, this one in particular. And um, the idea there was to show me his visions his dreams, what he saw for the future, and he was quite passionate about younger people and nurturing uh, young people, giving them a platform where they could perform and, and ex, you know and show their musical talents and stuff because he just wasn't that kind of platform out there, um, particularly for Māori and Māori music. Um, so, yeah, he brought me on board, just started showing me what to do, introduced me to people um, in the hope that, I suppose, that... You know, I'd, I'd take it up. I was the musical one, and and I guess yeah, this is me kind of going okay. Well, <laughs> let's make a start. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And 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 the project itself is about is it taking interpretations, taking your uncle's music, yep, and and, and doing what? Um, what well, the the idea is is that um one's from Hidden Era. There's him, there's Kohine Pornikarangi, there's um, Tuinina, you know, even Tuininawa, all of them. They've got a, a particular way of writing that you don't see anymore. And it's because, um, I guess, their surroundings when they were growing up are very different to ours. We're mm. in a very urban kind of surroundings, you know, these days, whereas theirs was the environment. So the way that they write songs is, just doesn't sing anymore. And that was what we wanted to do. And get from his songs was okay. Well, we, we still want this alive, and, and these days, and we want our rangatahi to see, um, it, you know how it, it's, it's there's an art to it. There's an art to writing. It's not just a matter of I don't know spilling out some words, and you know, and mm. a lot of the words that they use aren't, aren't in your normal everyday vocabulary. Um, you, you know, I mean, I also used words like wewe, the wewe o te kanimihini, you know, and wewe. Where, where, how do you spell that? W-E-W-E. W-E-W-E. Well, where, that's where? how we write it. <laughs> you know, I don't know how you spell it. But, you know, it was just a, a clever use of words. And that's what we wanted to retain and to retain his music. His music's fairly well known. Yeah. Um, and the idea of this project was to get young rangatahi listening to his music, listening not just to his music but to the way that's written. So we thought we'd do it through um, Māori musicians these days that are not only established but up and coming um, and get them to do their rendition of it so that it appeals to our younger people, have that same appeal, I guess, when we were growing up to our kids yeah. and, and we want them to listen to it and have that same kind of appreciation. Gosh, you must be, have to be very careful, though, on how you're going to do it. You're not going to put voice coder and Funnily um, <laughs> some scratchy, scratchy records there. and Well, and this was the Who's thing, got creative control? You? Me? Uh, well... The thing was that Natapa and I both decided when we chose our artists, we chose them very carefully and we trusted that they would be able to do this respectfully enough, and they have. And But also we didn't want them to feel restrained, by the, you know, because I think some of them will get this thing, oh, we better not change it too much because it's hitting in Melbourne and, you know, um, yeah. we don't want to go there. But um, and some of them haven't. Some of them have done their interpretation of his songs that they've chosen have been 
more or less just uh, them singing it with the guitar, so a very acoustic kind of version, which is beautiful because some of, not all of them need um, to be the f- revamped and, and, yeah. and everything, you know, to still be appealing. Then we've had others, um, for instance, we've got a we've got a rap artist, we've got a, an opera singer, we've got a rock singer, and they've done that. They've brought that to the songs, but it's it's well, I like it, um, and I've <laughs> I've given it the okay. Um, Nathap has given it the okay, and and that's what we wanted to do because we need it to appeal to our rangatahi, and mm. that's what they they're, they're into. We've got. So there's, there's a, we've, we chose our artists like that too. We've got artists that are very different, um, from very different genres. Like I said, opera, rap, uh, R&B, rock, you know, covering acoustic. Mm-hmm. We've got folk. We've covered the whole lot. Throughout so. that process, though, Piata, did you have to seek guidance from your elders, as you do when you're on a journey like this, you have to see... yes, as you do, get the nods from the aunties. (laughs) I mean, yeah, what was that? Did you have to do that? Did you... Yeah, I guess... Have um, to talk to, you know, your cousins, um, having these daughters? Yeah, yeah, I I, I guess it was more of a, hey, I'm going to do this, is that okay? Yeah, (laughs) And, and, you know, and, yeah, and and they've just... I mean, I, I guess there's so many people doing it, um, I just, yeah, I was just another one coming along to do it. Um, really, I, I've told them about the whole process. I've involved them. Um, Sid's wife, Jan, was obviously one of the first ones I approached. But then, you know, I went straight to my dad, who's the elder brother, who kind of gets to say with the family anyway. So I had been in discussions with him right from the beginning. He's given me guidance on mm-hmm. who I should be letting know, who I should be talking to. Um, so, yeah. It's, now, you talked about the artists, but, you, I mean, can you give me some names? Yeah. Who? Um, well, th- we've got, like I said, we've got established artists and non-established artists. We've got... Um, the, the more well-known ones, we've got Tawanui Rita from Nijin Mystic, uh, Macy Rika, Tama Waipara, um, uh, Terimoana Rapley is another one. Oh, I haven't heard from you for no, eight years. years. No, yeah, we brought her back into the light. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we've got um, Warren Maxwell from Ex-Trinity Roots. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, we've got uh, Anna Coddington. Um, then we've got uh, up. A, we've got Maitreya, Jamie Greenslade, and Jason Kirsten from Op Shop's been helping produce his track, and Jason's been was part of our concert last year as well. Uh, then we've got the newer ones coming through. We've got Rhea Hall, um, who's about to release her EP later. Uh, we've got Kawati Waitford, who's an opera singer. Oh yes, yeah, we've had him on the show. Opera in the Par. Um, who else we've got? We've got a young 14, I think she might have turned 15 by now, Magic, Magic Rolpata, yeah. with a huge voice on her. Yeah, so we've, That's we've, a pretty, we've, really good lineup. Nice lineup, yeah. yeah. And and we sat there and we, we made our list and again and again and again. And I mean, there were some people we approached initially that weren't available, just purely because busy. Yeah, um, but that's okay because this is going to be our last project. So. <laughs> and so, in terms of um, the artists and what they could sing, yeah. um, who chose what? Did you just give them free reign, or which song would you like to do? Yeah, basically, I picked. Um, I we recorded two different albums of hidden these songs, put them onto a CD, and gave it out to them, and let them have their pick first in, first serve. Um, I, <laughs> any, any, uh, yeah, there was, there scraps. was a lot of, yeah, yeah, there was, um, and some of them were conditional too. They said, well, I'll do it if I can do this song, you know, oh. so, um, and, and which was fair enough because for some of them, one, you know, his songs had a special meaning to them. So, um, why would they want to do a different song? You know, when, um, there was that, and I chose the albums that I chose to choose from was one was from a very old one that his songs aren't so 
one of his first ones that he did with um, Ratoki School, because oh. those were the songs that I grew up with. Those were the songs that I like. They're not played so much, um, and they're not mm. so well known, but I wanted to revive those, so I included that, and as well as his more recent songs, obviously. Um, yeah, so that's good. So we're getting some of those um, brought out. Kapai. So just to give you a taste of um, of um, Hidden in Melbourne's uh, music, we're going to play a few few tracks, and Pieta's going to talk to them. Okay, so Pūrea Nei. Um, this one wasn't really a favourite of my uncle's. I'm just being, what, but, it wasn't a favourite of his? No, it wasn't a favourite of mine. Not yeah, it wasn't one of my favourite, but it was the one that everyone sang, um, and it was the one that everyone knew. Um, Did he? So he is the original writer of yeah, the yeah, song. Yeah, he, he wrote the song. Fourth form, fifth form, sixth form, Pūrea Nei. Yeah, it's exactly. It was all the schools sung it. Of, yeah, this is the one that everyone stands up and uses as a kinoki, and I don't know why, but they chose to use this song. The funny thing is, is though, uh, the song has quite special meaning. Um, this song uh, Uncle Sid wrote for a student at Waikato who came to him, uh, I believe he was blind, um, Yeah, came to my uncle just, you know, for some uh, guidance. Yeah, some guidance. Was he a student, student He was a student at Waikato, came to my uncle Sid to see him, you know, just with his problems and stuff. Um, uncle Sid wrote this song for him, Purianei, to wash away, you know, just let the rain wash away everything, let the wind cleanse you, that kind of talking. So that's where... Um, this song came from. It's what inspired him to so write So when you this. go to a hui and you hear it, it's a wacky hinaki. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are you one of those ones that sits in your chair going, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I am, and it's always the song that everyone wants to sing. But hey, everyone knows it. So. Everyone knows it. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, of all the songs, they chose this one, so... Okay, well this one, um, this actually reminds me of my bedtime stories because he, with a lot of his songs he released books with the, um, with the lyrics and then you know, they told the stories and this was one of my favourite bedtime stories uh, to read. I still have it and my daughter reads it. I read it to oh, my daughter well, as well. Butterfly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a butterfly. Um, I mean, this song for me is a, it reminds me of my childhood. This is the one that, one of my favourites as a kid, you know, uh, that me and my cousin and his daughter used to sing all the time and yeah, that's what this song means to me. Um, the, the thing is I remember seeing it sung to him at uh, some kind of ceremony of his and um, uh, the rendition that they did of it then, they made this, what I always seemed, had seen as a kid's song, into this beautiful melody. It was, oh. uh, yeah, like, it was just done really well. And I was like, wow, it, was just, it just put a completely different light on the song. It was no longer a kiddie song. It was being sung as a, I don't know, an adult song. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It just took on a different kind of light because when I've, I've always known this song to be the kid's song that I sang as a kid. Um, and certainly in our album coming up, you won't recognise this song. It's just been... Wow. Yeah. Also, the song features on... This song the... features, yeah. Oh. Tere Moana does a, a version of this, and it's a 
a very interesting version. But, yeah. Did um did did Uncle Sid hit any Melbourne? Did he um always? Cause it seems as though he he wrote he. Kohangareo just got so many of his way up there. Yeah. He specifically went for... He did. Um, that came because when he had his children, there were no Māori books around to read to them. There were no Māori songs for them. So and I actually think this was his first song. Uh, well, one of one of his first songs. And he wrote it because, yeah, there was just no resources uh, for Māori books, Māori songs for his kids to grow up with. So he mm. kind of thought, well, I, I suppose... Well, I've got a guitar and I can play it. I, I guess I'll make some tunes up. <laughs> wow! And away he went. You know, so it was his kids. That and it would have been what seven, late seventies, early seventies. Yeah, late seventies. Yeah, mid seventies, late seventies. Well, obviously, my uncle was a big advocate of Te Reo Māori, um, and a lot of his songs were um, around that too, around Te Reo Māori, around mm. fostering it, around uh, Te Tiriti o Waitangi, you know, every now and then. Uh, the majority of his songs are about, uh, um, you know, about the birds and the trees and the forest and stuff, because that's what he grew up around. But every now and then he'd pop out a political song, you know, ones with strong messages um, yeah. and what he believed in. And, and this was one of his, this was from one of his first ones that he did with um, Rātoki School, from one of his first albums, Hini Pukohurangi. Um, oh, this, so these are the kids you can hear. Yeah, in the yeah, song. that's that's uh, Rātoki School accompanying him. They recorded this in the um, school hall. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because there were no studios. Well, I don't know if they didn't have any studios, <laughs> but obviously to get uh, the kids from Rātoki in the nineteen seventies, early eighties to a studio was yeah just wow. next to impossible those days. This song has also been done on our album. It's been turned into a rap song, and it's a great rendition. Now, uh, Maitreya. Has oh, done yep. this one, yeah, and um, and again, it's um, you know, I know, f- it's these kinds of songs that we want. It's a bit, it's a, it's a way of having a nice song and kind of going, okay, let's uh, let's hang on to the old Maori, let's retain it. It's it's a thong, it's a it's a gift, it's part of us and who we are. I'm Justine Murray. This is Radio New Zealand National. Uh, Kam with uh, Piata Melbourne. Uh, so the launch next month. The August. launch, yes, at last, three years later. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's taken three years. <laughs> it's taken three years. It started off with a, a trip to the cafe with me and Atapa, just having a little yarn and thought, hey, uh, she was uh, at that stage, um, you know, starting up her production company, use a production company. Um, we'd talked kind of think about ideas before, as you do. Yeah. Um, and we thought, okay, no, it's about time we do something about this. And, and that's when we started doing it. We got the funding. We put our props together. Um, we got the money. We put our artists together. The great thing about this was that our artists have been really supportive um, on this and um, and really been there for the kaupapa because obviously uh, funds are restricted and um, it's it's been a really really good project, and uh, I mean one of the things we wanted to, with us having establishing artists and non-established artists, was that whole taina tua kind of relationship, mm-hmm. and making sure that the young ones are feeling supported, um, and going through this process. It's huge going through a recording process, 
Um, and for a lot of them too, it was giving them an opportunity to record songs in Māori, and a lot of these artists, Anna Coddington, um, you know, and a lot of them haven't done Tere Monaru, the, uh, songs in Māori, recorded their own songs in Māori, so this is their first yeah. First one for them. So has um, there been some sort of um, you know pronunciation and quality control of the deal? Um, yeah, that's been my role. Um, my role has been overseeing the that the, the, the words are correct. First of all, yeah. um, pronunciation of the words, uh, and otherwise it's going to be the aunties on my back. <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Doing that, but and actually, to be honest, haven't had to do much. The artists have on their own made a you know really big effort. Um, on their own. Kapai. Why is it called Herangi Pai Huerere? What's the, what's the <coughs> meaning of Is that a waiata from your... It's one of his waiata. That came up, basically, we asked one of the cousins to do up a prop for us. She somehow got the notion that that's what we called it. I, I don't know. So <laughs> when, she, when she sent the prop back to us and called it Herangi Pai Huerere, we asked her, where'd that come from? She goes, oh, I thought that's what you called it. And we're like, oh, no, but it's a great, it's a great title. <laughs> we'll, we'll just stick with that. Okay, and, cool. Hey, yeah, why yeah. change it, eh? Uh, and, you know, I mean, I suppose it's a Herangi Pai Huerere, you know, it's, it's the breaking of a new day, so... It's appropriate. Well, we made it appropriate. <laughs> um Probably just wrapping up our kōrero, um, Piata, what do you think uh, in terms of music your your uncle Sid had in Melbourne has left for, for you, yeah. um, for your for your whānau, for musicians? What do you think his legacy is? I, I think it's been who you are and not a being, not compromising that. Uh, it's about being who you are and being proud of that. Um, it's about being who you are and seeing uh, the beauty in that. And, you know, for him, it was the things that were important to him. It was the bush, was the, mm. the serenity the, that you found in the surroundings of nature. Um, you know, he talks of the, the birds and then their calls and they're talking to each other, the insects and, and everything of that has great significance in his world. So that's what he sung about and people like it but you know and I, and I guess it's because he he um yeah he, he can see that he appreciates that that's his world he's sharing it with everyone and I guess his legacy is that well and, and everyone should be the same proud of where they are know where they're from be proud of that and and that's that Tiahika will be bringing you some of the songs from the album in coming weeks. To listen to the Kōrero again, you can head to our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash Tiahika. That's T-E-A-H-I-K-A-A. You're listening to Tiahika, Radio National. Hailing from Rotorua, a.k.a. Rotovegas, Kingy Biddle is no stranger in Aotearoa. You may have seen him on TV as the Vogel's Breed Man, and he's also done a stint on the Māori television programme Kai Time on the Road, as well as being one of Te Arawa FM's hosts in Rotorua. An MC and all-round entertainer, he's about to embark on an adventure amongst the bright lights of Las Vegas at the Toastmasters International Gathering. He's taking his whānau, wife Wendy, two of his children and his mother. Kingy and his family have spent the past few months fundraising to get to the States. I caught up with him last month. Uh, Justin Murray, Radio New Zealand National Tiahika here in Rotorua. And uh, with me right now I'm joined with uh, the very fabulous uh, Kingy Biddle. Kia ora Kingy. Tēnā and how are you today? <laughs> good, thank you. Yeah, you're looking good, looking very thank good. You. Oh, thank and, you, uh, Kingy. thank you for calling me fabulous. <laughs> uh, Kingy, me kōrero hia mai i te tūtahi tō pepeha, me ki. Uh, tēnā rākoe e... 
e Justina tēnā koutou, koutou e whakarangumai nei a he ai ki ngā kōrero ko ngongo o taha te maunga, ko te roturua nui a kahumata momo e te moana, ko te papai ouru te marae, ko ngā tifakau e teiwi, ko te arawa te waka, uh, ko, uh, ko maunga pōhatu hoki rā te maunga, ko waikare moana te moana, ko te awa o hene mataroa te te awa, ko tūho e teiwi, ko mā tātua te waka, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou. Kia ora. Now, Kingi, it is no secret that you, well, one of your many talents is the gift of the gab, and you are taking that to the next extreme level in, in what event that's coming up for you soon. Um, I uh, am lucky enough, I have the honour, the privilege, to be able to represent in New Zealand uh, what is known in the world of Toastmasters as District 72 at the World Championship of Public Speaking that will be held in uh, Las Vegas August the 18th, uh, August the 17th through to August the 21st of this year 2011. Was there a national Toastmasters event that you took part in? Um, firstly, let's start with the reason I, I, I started at Toastmasters. Um, many people may know that over the last 20 or so years, one of the things that I Revel in one of the things that I really enjoy is being the master of ceremonies for, for various, uh, for various events. Now, over the last five to ten years, as you know, Justine, I have also uh, embarked in a journey to Te Reo, Te Reo Māori, e One of the things that I found is in, in my journey to Te Reo, I also found that my English side waned. It waned because um, I could speak Te Reo beautifully, but then when I went to English, I was saying English words, but my whakaata was still Māori. Right. So, so, so there was a lot of ahs, a lot of, uh, um, 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 a lot of ums and things of that nature. And so what I decided to do, and, and since I've joined Te Panakere Tango Te Reo, right. one of the things that uh, Timothy Karetu has been saying is, uh, the Fakatoki Eraka Te Katau, Eraka Te Maui. When one is strong, the other is strong as well. And the, the the one I'm talking about is when the Maori is strong, the English is strong as well. So now I have to make the English strong so the Maori can be strong. So I decided to join Toastmasters simply to work on your English side. Work on my English side, but more at the structures because since I had more opportunity to talk to them, I needed more opportunities to. To speak in a public forum in English, so that's why I started Toastmasters about a about a year or so ago. Now, with Toastmasters, we also have these competitions, and simply the competitions are just to really challenge you. So, uh, in February, we had our club competitions, and so I just wrote a wrote a speech to see how I'd go in the club competitions. I didn't write the speech to go to the nation to the internationals. That was that was like a, a paitafiti. Yeah, so one day, a, one day, and I was thinking maybe, maybe in about three or four years I'll go for it. But then, of course, I won the club competition. And so when you win the club competition, you go to the area competition, and that's the group of clubs in your town. What was your speech or your... My speech is the same speech that, I'll be, that I said all the way through. It's called, it's called a simple greeting. A simple greeting. A simple greeting. And then uh, well, you and I are sitting in Rotorua, right? Yes, you Starbucks, and I are sitting in Starbucks in uh, Rotorua. Now, there was a time, and, this, and, and, and it still is here now, but there was a time where, where it would take 
three hours to walk from one end of Rotorua to the other. And uh, as you know, spending time in Rotorua, there, there are only four blocks here, four or five blocks. You mean in central town? In central town. It would take about three hours. And why would, how would that happen if there are four or five blocks? Because somebody would start walking, and then they might meet somebody that they know. And then, you know, they had enough time, so they... A simple greeting, a simple hello would start a, a conversation. You know, an hour later they'd finish the conversation <laughs> and then they'd take two more steps and they'd see another whanaunga. Right. They'd see another friend. And so what would happen is, is that everyone would say hello to each other. Everyone would have conversations with each other. Um, I've, I've, I, I, I walk down the street in, in, in Auckland sometimes. I walk down the street in, Wel- in Wellington. I say hello to people and people wonder what I'm on. And so, people you don't know, people that I don't know, people that you know, but and and even even when we're walking down the street in Rotorua, even people that they don't know, they still have time to have a conversation. So why don't we say hello to each other? Now, am I am I generalising? Uh, yes, I am. There are people who love to have conversations, but I can say that's not the rule. And my conversation is is that when we don't say hello to people, we miss out on the juice of life. And the juice of life is this. Two people getting to know one another, getting access to themselves. Now, that's, that's what it's all about. That's, that's what it is for and me. And so basically your Toastmaster, your club speech was on that. that and, so, and, th- th- and then I found out, then I went to the area competition, and then I thought, ooh, okay, I'll give that a go. And then I won that too, all with that same speech. And then I had to go to the division competition, which was like a regional one. Like Bay of Plenty area? Uh, the Bay, and there was some from Waikato as well. Uh, and I won that too. You know, I was like, wow, okay, I've got to go to the Nationals now, the district final. And there were people from all around the motu. There were people from Wellington. Uh, the representative from Wellington was from Greytown, I think. Oh, yes, the Wellington area, up here, yep. that district, yes. And people from, from Christchurch, people from all around the motu. There were seven of us, and I was lucky enough, really, I was lucky enough to be chosen as the best out of the seven. And let me tell you, the word best is the word, because they were just like, they brought their game. Is Toastmasters what, what I envisage it is? Really elderly white men with blazers and... I, I have to be honest, uh, no. No, because I thought the same thing as well. Uh, there are people from all around. I went to a convention, there was a young, young 30-year-old who was talking about going to the gym. That was one of his speeches. 30-year-old, uh, I'd call him a yuppie. Uh, yes, you have those white middle-class people, but and, and the corridor that they have are, are, are amazing because people talk about things that they love. There was one woman who, who spoke about uh, Brussels sprouts. And I have, a new, I have a new understanding of Brussels sprouts. You <laughs> right. know? Uh, another person talks about how she pots uh, in, inside. So, you know, all these things... These are the types of speeches that people talk about, and it's, it's in the subject, yes, but it's how they structure the speech, how they modulate their voice. All these things is what, is what Toastmasters is about, and it's about just um, enabling people to use the biggest gift, that one of the, to me, the biggest gift that they've been given, and that is the gift of communication. Do you have to do impromptu yes. speeches as part of Toastmasters? Yes, as well. Uh, what we have is we call table topics, Table topics. Uh, table topics, and somebody comes up and, he, and with their table topic, and they say, "Okay, Justine, you have a minute to talk on uh, what would be your favourite place 
in the world to holiday? Let's give it a go now. Go, go, Justin. Okay, so Kingy, my table topic for you is coffee. I have to be perfectly honest. I remember a time when I was in Christchurch at the New Zealand Broadcasting School, Justine. And one of the things that we had to do was put together a radio station from scratch. And we worked day and night, day and night. And to keep me awake, because there was, because we did not have V that day. There was no V. We had to have coffee. Coffee to keep us awake. Coffee for tea, breakfast and lunch. It got to a while. Anybody who knows Kapahaka, they like to witty their hands. Uh, it was a natural witty to me, so I had to give it up. But still, now and then, I'll have myself a coffee. Just so I can feel that taste. And yes, coffee for me, my friend, takes me back to the time when I began my world, my journey to broadcasting. Yes, you too can join broadcasting. <laughs> Kingy Biddle, Radio New Zealand. There you are. You know, there you go, Kingy, there was about two minutes. Well, there you are. So that's what a table topic is. That's what a table topic is. Now, of course, when I first started, there, there's, there is a lot of, you know, there are a lot of ums and ahs, and we, we don't say, oh, you have to go for a minute. If there, right. there, there are people there who, who are petrified of it. Even 10 seconds, is a, it's, it's a triumph for them. Okay, you give me a subject and I'll see if I can give oh, this table. All right. So oh. it's, just, it's just the, it's just, okay. Okay, all right then. So if you were George Washington, what would be the type of America you would create? Okay, no, no. <laughs> All right. No, never mind. Okay, let, let, let's yeah, go to yeah, something yeah. easy. Okay. Tell us about your most... Where is your dream holiday? Where would you spend your dream holiday? My dream holiday to me is having my family around me. Ideally in a batch somewhere, possibly up north, where we're overlooking the Hokianga Harbour, perhaps uh, cruising down <laughs> perhaps cruising down to the Opo pub for a cold glass of beer. My ultimate dream is not necessarily the the house and the material things around me, but it's all about family, friends, no cell phones, no laptops. That was thirty seconds. <laughs> Yeah, oh, like 35. It's amazing, isn't it? And uh, oh. so the speeches that I have to do, in, the speeches that I've had to do were between five to seven minutes. Now, if my speech was less than four minutes 30, I would be disqualified. If my speech was more than seven minutes 30, I'd be disqualified. Uh, such was a story where a man, he totally, the audience was spellbound by everything that he said. His speech was 7 minutes 31. He was disqualified. <gasps> it has to be straight, very, That's right. very... That's right. Do you get a bell, you know, at Manu uh, What happens is, is that you have uh, three lights. A green light tells you that... Uh, uh, so five minutes have passed. Then an uh, orange light, which tells you that six minutes have passed. And then the red light tells you that seven minutes have passed. You have 30 seconds before... This guy didn't see the lights. He, he saw the lights. It's it's like you have to be blind not to see the lights. And so, um, but carried away maybe. I, I, I don't words? know. I, I I don't know at all. Maybe he yeah. had timed it, 
but he was one second off and that was it. Because these are the things, when you get up and speak, when people laugh, when there's 2,100 people in the room laughing, you know, let's say there are 20 people in the room laughing, that's five seconds. 2,100 people in the room laughing, that's 10, 15 seconds of your speech gone. While you wait for them to die down. Right. So... So these are the things, and when you All do your pauses, little, yep. uh, things of that nature, you just don't know until until then. So that's why people say, add about, uh, uh, you know, just just go to about seven. Myself, I go to six minutes forty-five. Six minutes. Six 45. minutes forty-five. I'd rather be safe, or I'll ride it until I see that red light, and as soon as I see that red light, I'm finished. Mm. I'll just say, and well, I won't say thank you because. It's an amazing kaupapa but when we say tēnā koutou katoa, uh, in Toastmasters we don't say thank you because it's the audience that need to say thank you because somebody's getting up on the stage and they're giving of themselves. They're having a kōrero and, um, and they're giving a piece of themselves to the, to the audience. So that's, so that's what it's all about. Now, Kingi, we went to your fundraiser at Waikiki Club Rooms uh, a few days ago. Yes. Financially, can you get to Las Vegas? Is everything... Slowly and surely, Yes. Um, the world is going to Las Vegas. The world is going to Las Vegas in August, so it's a great opportunity for me to take my whanau, uh, my wife, my three youngest children, and my mum. I, I want to take my children. Unfortunately, we can't take our big girl, but I want to take my children so that they can see that there is a bigger world outside of Rotorua, outside of New Zealand, so they can see what the world is like, so that then when they return to New Zealand, when they return back to Aotearoa, they... St- They'll, they'll return with a new appreciation because let me tell you, it's, uh, uh, I've been overseas many times and when I come back to New Zealand, I have a greater appreciation of our home. Mm. It's wonderful. Whereabouts, uh, tell us a bit about the actual event. Where, what, is it going to be in one of the themes? Uh, yes, it's uh, going to be held in a casino called Belly's Casino. Uh, Belly's Casino and it will be held on the 17th. There are two competitions. Given that we are District 72, there are about 81 districts around the world. So on the... On oh, the, on, is that what on, that means? That's it sounds right. like an alien zone. <laughs> no, 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 no. District, District 72. <laughs> and so on the 18th, we have nine semifinals. Nine people in each semifinal. And the winner of each semifinal will graduate on the 20th of, of August to the World Championship of Public Speaking, and the winner of that competition will be known as the World Champion of Public Speaking 2011. What's that? Pepe Health, Te Arua, Te Arua Mangai Nui. Upokotakitahi e koreenuku. Yes, that's right. So, Te Arua Mangai Nui, Te Arua the... Well, you know, I don't want to be sound like a kumara, but yeah, Te Arua Mangai Nui. So, uh, no, it's, 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 an amazing, it's an amazing opportunity to... How, how am I going there? Yes, I'm going there to win, but there are, there's going to be 2,100 people from all around the world in one room. What a great opportunity to make a difference in their lives. What a great opportunity to, you know, even if one person leaves saying hello to the next person down the street, wonderful. Yeah. And it's also an opportunity for me to bring in kōrero from New Zealand. Kōrero from New Zealand, like there is one, is one line where I say, this person needed to have this done urgently. Or as we say in New Zealand, they needed to have it done yesterday. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those if I little... can't take Kingy Biddle, if I can't take New Zealand with me, then what can I take? 
you know, and, and, and things like um, uh, the, the Māori say kia ora. Uh, the Māori say, uh, there is a Māori saying, ko te kaya te rangatira he kōrero. The food of the chief is, yeah. is and, and, and Yes, you know, and that dovetails beautifully, quintessentially, into um, hello. And then there's another one with, ihe a koe te tangihanga o te pipi whaurua, where were you at the heralding of the shining green kuku? Where were you when the time to work was to be done? Where were you when a time to make a difference came around? If Kingy Biddle isn't going, you know what I mean? Kingy, me, if I can't take myself there, then, then what can I take? And so these are the things that, um, that, that, that I'm working through is that obviously when I first found out, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, there's a type of speech I need to be saying. But that's how other people speak. Right. All I needed to find out was something that was more authentic. So that so a Māori boy from Kotu can go, you know, Māori boy from Kotu, Rotorua, Bay of Plenty, North Island, New Zealand, can go and let the people on the other side of the world know that we are one amazing group of people and we come from New Zealand. Best of luck for August. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora, Kingi. And we'll bring you a follow-up to his trip later on in the year. That's us for another week. Anita Apiata Melbourne, who we heard earlier in the show with this week's Fakatoki. Fakapuputia mai o Manuka, kia koreai e fati. Cluster the branches of the Manuka so they will not break. Uh, what this means for me is that we're stronger as united. Uh, than we are as individuals and and this is very much how Māori think we've always operated um, tribally we've always operated as a whānau, as a group um, because we believe that that is how um, we will move forward together stronger um, united rather than divided Kia don't forget to listen back to the show today. Head to radioNZ.co.nz forward slash Tiahika. That's T-E-A-H-I-K-A-A. And hit us up on Facebook. He mihi atu tēnei ki ngā kai kōrero mō tēnei wiki. He mihi anō ki ngā kai rā wiki wiki mihini. Hoki mai hei tērā rā tapu. Mai iamātou o Tiahika. Mauri ora.